Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Margaritas and Batchy are just as soulful as Medis and self-care. With your host Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. I want to shout out one of our listeners, George, from the Facebook group, Sabine Johnson, and this comment that she shared with us this week, which is, I've only listened to the first part of the ep so far. Hopefully by now she's listened to the whole thing. (laughs) But wow, capitals, this speaks to me. I'm currently trying to work out how to tell someone that I'm feeling resentful toward them because I was there for them time and time again at the expense of myself and my own energy, but they never seem to reciprocate that level of commitment or support, and it leaves me feeling like I can't lean on them. I don't know how to approach it without sounding mean. So when you said how it can be done lovingly, I remembered that I just needed to actually sort it out before it festered and got worse. Honestly, everything you gals said, I just want to say thanks for calling us gals, resonates with me. I also am guilty of saying no to a few too many things to fill my own cup up when I probably should have in fact gone. That is my goal for October. Commit to social events without burning out completely. Thank you so much for this app. I was hoping that guidance would come my way and it did. So good. I love so, when... Um, I love when potty apps resonate with people right at the time that they need it. That's that's super powerful and that's what I love about this show because often Holly and I will come up with a topic uh, the day before, sometimes the morning of, but it always seems to land yeah. in the right spot, right? Whether it's for us or for the listeners, it's just, it's real special, is what it is. It's special, it's intuitive and it's tapping into the zeitgeist, which we don't intend to do, but we just make it happen oh oh mic drop plug for the book (laughs) (laughs) oh the book um holly what is going on with your application when are you coming to byron bay holly applied for a house in byron last week and the agents are taking their sweet ass byron bay time they they really are just (laughs) we rang them on monday and they laughed at trenny and they were like we have 15 applications for this property bide your time the thing is jord if we get this place the move like we have access to it from saturday i meant to say this to you though but hun they'll change they'll change that they won't start your lease from saturday if they don't sign you if they don't (laughs) sign you until like friday then they'll give you like a couple of weeks before the lease starts this is the thing. I'm really so non-attached to this because it's almost head fuckery if it happens, which I I hope it does because it's two blocks away from you. It's everything we could have ever wanted. Uh, but I guess that's the thing about moving home and relocating. I know there are some people that are like, oh, yeah, it's so easy and breezy and I could just pack up and leave tomorrow. Oh, my God, and I could never. <laughs> Well, I'd like to think that I'm like that. And I'm, I've surprised myself in terms of how non-invested I am in the outcome of this because I don't want to be disappointed if it doesn't 
you know, doesn't occur because there is something up there for us. It's just a matter of time. But this space in between of, yes, we're here, but we're also leaving and we don't know when that's happening. Oh, my goodness, it's doing my head in a little bit. Yeah, I can imagine. I kind of felt like that um, at the beginning of this year when I was living out of the car and half down at the farm and I didn't have a home and everything was in storage and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? But it must be weird for you because just so the listeners know – Holly hasn't actually seen this house, so <laughs> I went <laughs> so and inspected true. it, and then Trent's cousin went and inspected it to give a male's perspective on it, and um, Trent and Holly have just put their faith in us, because we were it's like, true. yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good, apply for it, apply for it. You might get up here and be like, oh. <laughs> Do you know what matters to me most, though, Jord, in a home and in in moving into a new place is the energy of the space mm. T- truly honest i could not care less about the interior aesthetic or which is very unliberant of me but it's a truth if a place feels good then i can make it work are you yeah. the same oh absolutely i've been in plenty of nice places that just don't energetically feel good um yeah it's definitely about the energy of a space I feel like you can tune into it when you first arrive like my place that I lived in for 13 years in Bondi aesthetically it wasn't much but there wasn't one person that walked into that home that wasn't like oh my god the energy in here is amazing and it it was I mean obviously I put some energy into it as well but even before I got there it just felt good yeah, that's the same as where we're living right now. It's actually the one piece. There are a few pieces of Sydney we don't want to leave behind. If we could take this home and put it up in Byron, it would be perfect. We're really sad to be leaving this home behind. And honestly, George, it's the first home or house that I've lived in in my entire life that has felt like home and that I love I love to be here. When we were inspecting this property, we've only lived here for five months now. But when we drove, it's already been five months. Can you believe? I mean, two of those months I was away, so I've really only been here three months. Still, it went really fast. It flew, but when we drove into the driveway, it was an empty house. We were inspecting it, and as soon as we drove down the driveway, I just got this download: "Home sweet home," and I couldn't explain it. And I walked. We couldn't even get inside. We just walked the perimeter of it. Of it, and I was like, "This is it. This is it." And the same as you, anyone who walks into this home, they're like, oh, my gosh, the energy. This this home is beautiful. And I've not had that before. So that's really what I'm seeking in our next place. Okay. Well, this one, this one that we looked at. <laughs> You're like, fuck. No, no. Like, the well, I'll tell you what's so great about it. I mean, you know this, but the backyard is amazing. It, it yeah. makes the house. The location is phenomenal. Like, I actually like the location better than where I am. And um, it's a good size. It's not like the most beautiful home. Like it's an old home. Um, And it was funny. It's always funny when you go and inspect a place and there's people living in it still. And this house was like a share house. So it was like there was just crap everywhere. I couldn't have people walk through my home, whether I was renting it or owned it, and have it not looking amazing it was tidy, but like there was still crap everywhere. No, not and okay. I if I was the agent, like I just, I just wouldn't be okay with that. I was walking into there's three bedrooms. I was walking into some of the bedrooms, and people had their like underwear out. Like it was clean. No. It was clean, but it was on the bed, and I was like, this is really strange. And they it's- still got fifteen applications. So. 
that should be that should be a little bit of an insight into what's going on with that house. It's good. It's really it's really great. It's a really great price too. I love old homes, George. I know you said that it's like it's not the most modern thing, but the property that we were living in, the apartment we were living in, it's the only apartment that we've ever lived in and probably the last time we'll ever do apartment living. It was so modern Mm. it had these gray like cement walls and it was really dark it was very industrial and the bathrooms were all black do you know how hard it is to fucking clean a black toilet and black sinks well i i don't know about a toilet or a sink but my kitchen's black you know that and any water that drips down my cupboards is just like you see it it's it's so weird it's so hard to keep them clean yeah. So hmm. all of these modern things, when we moved in, it's like, oh my gosh, you got these high industrial ceilings and these big lights and we're going to style it up so beautifully. And we could not wait to get out of there. It was modern and beautiful, but it had no vibe, no energy. It was just like we were in a shoebox. Yeah. I don't, I don't dig modern places either to tell you the truth. And I, I haven't, well, I haven't lived in many. All the places I've lived in, even as a kid, were like old homes, beautiful old homes, but old homes. I remember one of my long-term boyfriends, Torian, we had a very different um, aesthetic preference to homes. He ah. really loved like super modern, you know, really modern fixtures, lots of cement. I don't mind cement if it's done right. Like there's a lot of cement in my place now, but there's it's also just got a lot of character to it but he just liked you know very minimalist where I I love like old federation homes and art deco and so it was proving a little bit of uh friction between us well that was Trenny and I as well and I'm so glad we got to experience both for Trenny to realize that it is an energetic thing because he was all about the literally out and all our walls were cement. The ceiling was cement. It was just cement, cement everywhere. And it was that modern living that he loved so much and the minimalist, simplistic mm. design. And architecturally, it was beautiful. But even he was like, I cannot do this anymore. We are like, there is no soul here. And we're in, yeah, really old home. And, you know, the kitchen's small, the bathroom's tiny, huge backyard, and just a vibe. That's what I want in a home. I want a vibe. Yeah. Well, you have to experience it to know if there's a vibe, right? That's that's the thing, and that's why we're going to lease for a little bit before buying. I want to ask you, Jord, the best home you've ever lived in. Well, this is a hard question because, you know, as an adult, I lived in the one place for 13 years, mm. um, and the reason I lived in the one place for 13 years was because we changed homes, I would say, every two years as a kid. Shit. Um, so I've lived in... I would, I've never counted. Actually, between mum and dad, because I would live at dad's on the weekend and he also moved a lot, I reckon between the both of them, I must have lived in at least 12 different places growing up. So wow. I never had a home. Like I never, if I think back to childhood and my family home, I, I don't have one. I don't know what house wow. to call home. Um, now it's a bit different. Like my my dad's been down in Barama for a long time now. That feels like home when I arrive there. Mum's place, she moves. She's still moving all the time. Gypsy. We just come from a line of gypsies. Like actually, not just using that as a cultural term. We have gypsy lineage in our family. And I feel it in us. And I feel it now that I settled for 13 years that I feel this need to just keep moving. Like I love the place I'm in now. 
but I know it's well it's not forever because it's not big enough to be forever but it's like yeah I get I get the vibe she had so in terms of the my favorite home I've lived in um I'd have I'd probably have to say my Bondi place like I mean I would say this place definitely now it's amazing but my Bondi home it was it was so special it was I had a I moved in in 2005 probably Wow. maybe do the maths on that and it was a two-bedroom home 90 second walk to the beach for 380 a week oh my god yeah by the time I left the rent was up to 750 a week whoa yeah but um it was it was really simple I mean there were parts of it that were really ugly it had a hallway at the back of the apartment so it sort of like was this dead space in the apartment. Mm. It was so weird, but it had red carpet. So it was like <gasps> this like celebrity red carpet right at the back of the, that is right so at the back cool. of the apartment. It was so weird. Um, and it had these like weird like holes in the wall. And I still don't know what they were meant for. It was like these little pockets really high so you couldn't see through there was one in my bedroom and there was one in the kitchen and I was like what the hell are they for until I got a cat and she used to like just jump up onto the kitchen cupboards and then sit in the hole and then just like stare down at me look down at me but it was so (laughs) weird but yeah every time someone came into that home I had a lot of flatmates that came through um, I lived there for a little while with one of my long-term partners and um, everybody just loves that place. And everyone was really sad when I moved out. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it, where people can sense an energy of home and that's what it is. I mean, the saying is so cliche, but home is where the heart is. But that said, I have had a lot of heart in other homes in the past that have never felt like that place. Yeah. So I wonder what it is. Like, what are the feelings, the sensations? Mm. What is the energy of home? I think it's different for everybody. Um, you tell me what you think. I think for me, um, home really needs to be able to support my energy. I need mm. to be able to come home and feel like I can drop, um, I can relax, I can just be me and and fully contained, if you know what yes. I mean. Um, yes. I've been in share house situations before where I haven't felt comfortable um, and it hasn't felt like home and therefore I find it really hard to bring my energy levels back up because I feel like I'm constantly sort of on edge so home for me is a container to be held really I feel that what about what about for you yeah the word grounded keeps coming up it's somewhere because I am lacking that often when I'm home I want to feel really held in that grounding energy Mm. Uh, I want home to feel really safe as well like I want it to be a safe and sacred space that is mine and mine and Trent's and you know it's it's yeah it is that word of being held Uh, I also feel the feeling of home is well love and home go hand in hand so Mm. just love energy however that looks like and and I I mean that means 
I guess that means you could make a place a home by bringing love energy in. And I know you and I both do the same job. We have our crystals out and we have altars and we like to put beautiful things around the home that makes it feel very homely. Uh, so that's important for me as well. Trent always makes fun of me because we are so different. I love all of the colorful things and, you know, like you've got your mix match cushions. I love that stuff as well. But Trent's very much like, no, it's going to be a coastal schematic and we're going to have this yeah. one thing over here. It's very hard. <laughs> I can imagine, honestly, like when I think back to Mr. Taurus, we'll call him that, um, he was the same. I mean, you know how much I love having my books on display and he just yes. hated it. He's like, we're going to have to get a cabinet with doors. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no. Yeah, Trent's put all mine in boxes. I don't really? have my books out at the moment. Yeah, we we got a whole bookshelf and he's like, this is way too messy. And we had a shelf. <laughs> we literally got in our last apartment and because the last apartment was lacking storage and I have a lot of stuff. I'm not a hoarder, but I like my books. I like my crystals. Yeah. I like my ornate things. So we had this shelf and I laid everything out and Trent was like, Absolutely not. This is way too cluttered. And then Leah, my best friend, who is an interior designer and stylist, comes in and she's like, absolutely not, Holly. There's way too much stuff. I'm like, but I like my stuff. Oh, you're going to have to have a dedicated room. I think that's fair. I think I'll just have an altar room for all my things. I um, I had, I was dating this guy um, and he was very conservative. He was... Um, he was a suit, not to stereotype suits, but he was very conservative. His apartment was beautiful. It was very modern. It was in Potts Point. Um, it was pretty much just black and white with like pops of red. Mm. And um, everything was like, I want to say matte black, but matte black copies designer furniture. His was the actual designer furniture. Yes, yes. Um, anyway, he, I was so nervous about him coming over to my house because I was like, he is not going to like this place. <laughs> And he walked in and um, I could just see he was like, whoa. And, I mean, I think I'm really tasteful. There's a lot of colour in here, but I think I do it well. You You do. He walked in and I go, what do you think? And he goes, it looks like a unicorn threw up in here. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, tell me what you really think. (laughs) You know what that reminds me of? When Trent saw my childhood home, so when we, when my dad was still living in our childhood home, which we no longer have, my mum was like, yeah, paint, paint your room whatever you want. And so my walls were textured purple. What? Like literally it's a paint that you can get that makes it look textured. Oh, my so God. So it was this textured purple and then I had a feature wall that was bright orange and pink. Are you joking? I'm I have a headache. Photos. I have no, a headache. Literally, that was my room. And then I had a four-poster bed with pink curtains. Oh, shit. <laughs> and Trent walked in and I painted my drawers orange and with the pink knobs. Like it was literally like a unicorn threw up. And Trent brings it up all the time. He's like, I cannot believe your your family let you have that room. How and did I you loved sleep it. in that room, Holly. Very soundly. It was like my little soul home. That's had, so funny. Oh, it was it was out of control. That house, though, not fond memories. I think mainly because it was the family home where a lot of the, you know, the breakdown yeah. of my parents' relationship happened. But we were there for a solid 15 years. Okay, so that is that what, where you think of when you think of childhood home? Yeah, childhood home would be that and would also be the first home, the home that I grew up in, um, which was on the Northern Beaches. And I was thinking about it this morning, Joe, because I knew we'd be talking about homes today. And it's interesting how 
people can play a role in your life and then you dismiss them. And what I mean by that is, so the home that I grew up in until I was about eight years old, uh, we lived in this beautiful sandstone like duplex home a landlord lived above us and I forgot all about him until this morning I'm like oh yeah Mr O'Brien he was a really angry man and we used to play in the backyard and if he came outside we'd quickly run inside but I just totally wiped that part of my memory of my childhood yeah. until then it's so funny, weird. isn't it? I, you know, it's funny as someone who didn't have a childhood home. I still have lots of fond memories of all the different places that we lived. But you know what does what? Sorry, what is the like thread between all the places? Is mum's interiors and furniture? Like I remember specific lamps, and I always remember. I was thinking about it the other day. How much I love lamp light. Like I mum used lamp. to all. <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> I was like, is she purposely doing an Agamemnon no, reference right now? <laughs> but it was perfect. <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> but I do. I love like mum. <laughs> but mum used guys, to turn. Do you love lamps? <laughs> mum used to turn the lamps on when the sun went down. And it gave like this real kind of like nighttime homely energy, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's and a I was little thinking, subtle- I really, actually really miss that. It's a bit different now because we're heading into summer. But in winter, I'm going to get myself a nice lamp. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to do Let's that. Let's go lamp shopping. But also just like sometimes I'll go over to mum's and she's still got some of the furniture, obviously, that we had growing up. And I feel this real kind of nostalgia, nostalgia around it. And then also, you know, like the place mum's in now, even though she's only lived there like a year, just being home with mum feels like being home. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm off to my dad's tomorrow. By the time that this is in our listeners' ear holes, I will have returned. But my dad, like your dad, God, our families are so the same. My dad now lives on a farm as well. He has seven alpacas, guys. And a koala. A koala showed up at the property yesterday. I don't think you have a pet koala, though, Holly. <laughs> I'm going to capture it and make it my own. <laughs> um, so Dad lives on a farm, and I'm off to the farm tomorrow for about four days. And when I'm there, it does feel like I can stop, drop, and flop and just be in that space of family energy, I guess. Mm. And that's the nature of home as well when we're talking about childhood home. Even if your family has been tumultuous or there's been breakdowns in relationship and lots of moving, I did the same as you, George. There was about two to three years there where I was spending two weeks at my dad's, two weeks at my mum's, two weeks at my dad's, two weeks at my mum's. So I would be chopping and changing mm. every fortnight. And actually, that probably was a reason why I never really felt grounded in one home because each home had its own energy and my parents parented differently and it was constant readaption. Tot- I can totally relate, although I can't, I can't imagine doing fortnightly swaps like... I used to go to dad's on a Friday night and I'd come home on a Sunday afternoon. So mum would have the weekend on her own. Lucky. She was what? so lucky. What did she, she think she was living her life? <laughs> <laughs> Drop the kids at school and see you not on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, poor dad. His every weekend was just taken up with me. Um, actually, maybe maybe it was Friday to Saturday and then she'd sometimes have me Sunday and then he'd sometimes. But anyway. I would have to get used to two homes and different parenting styles. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. It's crazy. Yeah, and living out of the car, like that's what I ended up doing. I just had my friends would joke my wardrobe was in the car because I'm like, guys, I cannot be 
imagine packing your suitcase every fortnight, literally talking about this. I'm like, wow, I've got a lot of unresolved trauma I need to look into with yeah, this. So that was were, a lot. You were older as well, weren't you? How yeah, old were you when I your parents was, got divorced? I was 18 when my parents, well, they're not divorced yet. It's been oh, 11 years. Standard. And they're, they're just separated, guys. Um, they're bohemian. They like to do things differently. Um, so, yeah, I was 18 up until I moved out of home, 23. Oh, 18, 19, 20. That was six years of moving back and forth every fortnight. See that, six to years. me, that's crazy because I moved out of home when I was 19 and if that was happening to me, I would have moved out like the minute that happened. I think that was around the time that I was spending a lot of time at Trent's place because okay. I just could yeah, not do so much. My yeah. parents divorced when I was three. So okay. by the time I kind of knew what was going on, it seemed very normal to be going back and forth. Yeah. What about, tell me about the first time you moved out of home. 19's young. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, I had just finished school. Oh no, I finished school when I was 17. Oh, okay. I just ended my first long-term relationship. Um, and I had decided to drop out of uni, well, put uni on hold because I wanted to write a fiction book. And um, I moved up to Byron Bay. So my first move out of home was me packing up the car and driving up to Byron Bay and living the street behind where I live now. So weird. With this woman called Deborah. She was in her 40s. She was a Pilates instructor. And I had two rooms in the house. I had two rooms. I think I paid two fifty a week, so I had a bedroom, and then I had this another spare room, which I made into a lounge room. It was amazing. Really cool. Yeah, it was really fun. And then um, I couldn't get any work up here. It was just I don't mm. know. I didn't have any experience working, so like you know. Um, so I came back to Sydney and I moved into a studio apartment because I was like, "Mum, can I come home?" And she's like, "No." You can't. And I was like, okay. I love that. She'd moved out of our place and she was living, actually, she was living with a boyfriend. And she's like, no. Uh. And I was like, fuck you. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, all right. I mean, and, I love you, man. I mean, I love you. Um, and so I moved into this tiny studio above Speedos in North Bondi. So, like, oh my God. amazing. But it was the worst place in the world. It they were so hot. old. Paper, paper thin walls. The entire block was studios. If someone coughed, you could hear it. So you can only imagine no. the sex I was hearing all the time. Oh, um, no. It was a mini bar fridge, like probably half the size of an average hotel mini bar fridge. There was oh. one electric stovetop burner and the shower. So the size of the hot water heater was so little that you couldn't even get to rinsing off the shampoo in the shower so it maybe went for like 45 seconds it was so bad luckily my mum was a hairdresser and her salon was five seconds up the road so she used to wash my hair for me all the time because I couldn't do it in the shower that's like the the things that we do to just make it work right Right? that's freaking crazy I know and then I was there for a year and then I moved into the uh 13 year apartment I lived in I love that. Onwards and upwards to bigger, better things. What What was the first place you moved out to? Well, it happened all very quickly, I remember. It was actually me, Leah and Jess. To be fair, actually, other than this place, that was the other place that really felt like home. So I didn't move out with Trent, even though we'd been together for six years. I was like, no, I'm going to do this with my girlfriends. And we found this beautiful 
top level of a duplex. I've lived in a lot of duplexes apparently in Balgala. So literally around the corner from where I am right now, we spent a lot of time in this area and it was so great. It was three bedrooms. I had the loft bedroom. So you actually had to go up this little windy staircase into the loft and it was so sick. I had like my room was sun drenched. It was amazing. Although we were across the road from a Bunnings and every Saturday morning I would wake up to the smell of sausages. Yeah. I'm vegetarian, but I really do like that smell. So anytime I hear that that smell, I'm like, Oh, home. Um, Did you say anytime I hear that smell? Yes. I I don't know about you guys, but I can like hear smells. It's one of my (laughs) <laughs> oh, that sounds like chocolate. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was really great, the three of us living together. We did a six-month stint. It was all of our first foray out of home. Yeah. Uh, so we experienced it. We got to experience it That's all together. and we have, on. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot, but we adapted pretty easily. We had, like, roommate dinners and our partners would come over and we had a lot of fun as well. It was so nice. I loved living with my friends because – you could have a really bad day and it'd be like, okay, tea up in the loft. Yep. See you in five minutes. And then we'd all jump on my bed and just have teas. And oh, it was so just nice. so nice. Yeah. yeah. I loved that. I yeah. love that home and I love my time. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, um, I've had a lot of flatmates and the ones that were friends were really like it was really extra special when they came and stayed a lot of them was just for a short period of time like in between places but you really feel like this extra level of friendship when they're there although I did have one where it kind of didn't work we had very different living styles yeah if that happens you can imagine it would just put a dampener on things I guess it's kind of like there are friends you can travel with and friends you can't travel with there are friends you can live with and friends you can't do you think travel well together holly no i think i'd annoy the shit out of you oh i thought you were gonna say yeah but i mean we live together pretty well we do live together well we do live together well i uh, actually no it could work because you would just be in control of the itinerary (laughs) i would be but you'd be you'd be so comfortable with that yeah, I, I wouldn't need to be in control. And you, But here's where I would annoy you. You'd be like, should we do this or this? And I'd be like, I don't know. And you'd be like, Holly, pick something. And I'd be like, but I don't know. Like, whatever you want to do. <laughs> I mean, that'd be fine. I'd be like, great. This is what we're doing. I do dream. I do dream of someone planning shit for me, though. That is my fantasy. Oh, it's the best thing in the world. I get just to do it Jess used to work for well she works in aviation and she loves doing this stuff I'm like can you just choose where we should stay when we're going to this place please and tell me who to fly with because I don't want to do it (laughs) yeah oh it's 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 the dream I've got to find that person whether it's a friend or a partner it's happening um okay homes anything else yeah describe your dream home oh okay I do have it in my head I don't know if I can um I don't know if I can describe it with words. It's Ooh, got a, that's nice. It's a feeling. Well, yeah, and it's a visual. Um, it's it's a, a cottage style setup. It has a beautiful garden, complete with veggie patch that's flourishing and well looked after by the maintenance man. Um, I love it. The kitchen looks out onto the garden. Very important for me. 
So beautiful, like, bay windows looking out onto the garden while I'm cooking. Um, Very open plan living, so I can see the children running around while I'm preparing dinner. Yeah. Um, And other than that, like, I love high ceilings. Um, I love, like, wooden um, balustrades. And then lots of, like, I think more of it for me is, like, the interiors, right? Like lots of foliage inside done really beautifully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lots of antique furniture mixed with like some current stuff. Um, Lots of beautiful big rugs and like Mm -hmm, they're the mm -hmm. sort of things that make it home for me are all those little kind of like, um, yeah, decorative furnishings. Yeah. What about you? See, I'm opposite to that in that I would get Leah and Trent to, and they've done this in any place we've lived together, they'll go in cohorts and put together the interiors and the finishings and those things. But I would love somewhere that's land and that has, you know, nature. There are trees and it's like a treehouse vibe and we're really close to the ocean, like close enough where you can either hear it or see it. I'm not going to discriminate. And it's so interesting talking this out because it's location that matters to me the most. Mm. It doesn't need to be this McMansion with five bedrooms and, oh. you know, a triple car garage. Like no. I actually don't care for that. It's Is it located in a place that feels really homely and beautiful and the energy agrees? Are my kids going to have a beautiful childhood there where they can run around barefoot like you and we can have some animals, we can have some chickens and we've got the dogs going and all of that? And... Then in terms of interior, so long as Trent is happy with that, because I know it matters to him, then I'm okay. Yeah, no, that sounds beautiful. I, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Location and and the, the energy, the, the feeling in the home, like to come full circle, I think that's what it is. It's the energy. I mean, to end this, I guess I just want to say home is wherever I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, not me, but... No, I sometimes you. <laughs> Well, I hope we find out about your house this week because I'm getting really impatient. Well, I feel like we'll know by the time that this is in listeners' ear holes because it's been almost two weeks by then. What are you reckoning? Because I actually don't know this. I'm not going to have to feign shock. I genuinely do not know. Yeah, I know. Um, So last Hmm. week, many of the listeners might know, I had a very serious fall and I was incapacitated for a few days. <laughs> she really was. I was. was actually, actually pretty was. heavy. Um, yeah, so I, um, I spent a lot of time resting on the weekend, which meant I was able to binge watch a new Netflix show. Tell us It's everything. brand spanking new, and I loved it. It's called The Politician. It stars Ben Platt, who I spoke about a little while ago on the show. He was interviewed by Dak Shepard. He's the guy... Who's the musical in a lot of the musicals and he was in Pitch Perfect and he's the star of this show. He's amazing. Gwyneth wow. Paltrow plays his mum. Um, it's written by or directed by or written by, you know, all those things by Ryan Murphy, who's behind Glee. So it's kind ah. of got a Glee vibe to it, but it's not musical at all. Um, and basically it's about this character called Peyton, um, who's played by Ben Platt. And he's this really wealthy student. So it's set in this really kind of like highbrow wealthy high school in Santa Barbara. Um, And ever since he was like the age of seven, he has wanted to be the president of the United States. So that is like his only thing that he has to achieve. And so everything he does in his life is about that. So it's like very kind of um, 
it's like a dark comedy in a way. It's funny, definitely, but there's drama. And um, so, yeah, so it's about him wanting to become the president of the United States. But before he does that, what he's got to nail is being president of the high school. So it's about the election campaign to be president of the high school because then when he's president of the high school then he gets into Harvard University and all of the presidents that have you know succeeded have been Harvard graduates and anyway it's that's the premise of the show but behind it is this really like indulgent look into overprivileged white men and and the people that surround them it's very funny I loved it I couldn't stop watching it and Ben Pratt, okay, like, honestly, he's one to watch. He's amazing. Ben Pratt. I just keep hearing Platt, his name. Platt. He's Platt. Okay, well, I'm hearing about someone else. <laughs> I think he might be Chris the Pratt. brother of Spencer Pratt. <laughs> Fuck, I wonder if they're all related. I don't know. Um, well, Ben's not related <laughs> to them because his name is Platt, Holly. <laughs> My bad, guys. Yeah, but he's, he's very talented. Gwyneth is amazing in it like she's so good and then the other main character in it is um i don't know the actress's name but she's the chick who played the wife of um freddie mercury in bohemian rhapsody oh i love that movie so much yeah anyway it's really great i loved it and i think you guys are gonna love it too the politician I think you do great viewing recos because i just want to say that on the weekend i watched about time and it was fucking it was so beautiful. We haven't even talked about it, Holly. It was so beautiful, haven't. wasn't it? You know what? I Isn't didn't it? fall asleep. Trent did. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, yeah, but only at the end and he asked me what happened. Oh, my God, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. And isn't beautiful. Bill Nye just, like, so oh. amazing in it? He's phenomenal in it. I yeah. just, yeah. You can tell, like, now that I know because I've been schooled by you on the direct, what's the director's Richard name? Curtis. Yeah, Richard Curtis movies. I'm like, oh, they all do have the same, like, soundtrack and the same vibe and the same energy. It was a beautiful, beautiful movie. I didn't cry, though. Like, I really wanted to have a big cry at the end, but I didn't do it. Well, I think they did it in – I don't think I've cried in about time before. They do it in such a beautiful, heartfelt way where it is about joy. Like, even though – we won't tell everyone what happens, but even though it's kind of sad what's happening – they see the joy in it and they see yeah yeah so it's beautiful oh, it was love it so cinematic genius <laughs> and also considering over. it's a pretty out there concept it seems really normal when you're watching it it made total sense i'm like yeah. oh yeah that that travels thing. in time yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely i it runs in the family lineage i get it yeah, i'm I a get witch it. in my family um all right um, what you, what's your record this week i've got a product record today of the food variety george oh they're and- our favorite I know it's making my stomach rumble because it's how I've been eating my breakfast. Just before you say that, I have a community service announcement of our oh, most famous food reco. You may yes. have seen it on Instagram stories, but salt and vinegar Ceres organic brown rice crackers are now available in Woolworths. They're back in a big way, guys. They're back. They haven't in a big hit Byron Woolworths yet, but it's only a matter of time. So keep your yeah, eyes. Yeah, I peeled. saw them. They're they're fully stocked and ready to go. Great. All right, onwards and upwards, Holly. This is a great segue because if you like the tangy nature of salt and vinegar Ceres rice crackers, yeah. then you are going to love this record today, folks. I'm talking every mite. Yes, <laughs> the healthy take on Vegemite. So I love Vegemite, George. It's one of my faves. Well, hang I on. Just... Vegemite's not unhealthy, right? It, but it no, contains it's not gluten. Unhealthy. 
That's the it issue. It contains gluten and other things that if you have any kind of, um, yeah, any kind of allergies, I guess, or your stomach is sensitive, which mine tends to be, uh, it can upset your tummy. And so I thought I'd give this every mite a crack. I saw it in a health food store and I am never going back. So it's I just am blown away by how they can make this taste like Vegemite. I'm going to tell you guys what's in it. It is... Every mite is made with certified organic black sesame seeds, coconut amino sauce, rock salt, and organic apple cider vinegar with the mother. So in this, there is no yeast, gluten, soy, grains, nuts, dairy, eggs, thickeners, or added preservatives. So it's it's the I guess it's the better choice for you if you do have any kind of gut or hormonal challenges, which is what I'm working on at the moment. I've been using their original but they also do a FODMAP friendly one Jord and they do a low salt one so they're apparently available in over 250 shops across can Australia I found them in my local can you show me yeah. the label yeah can you see sorry yeah you just like face. real yeah. close <laughs> <laughs> oh wow yeah, I found them in my local health food shop I've never seen that yeah. label before so I'm going to pop it in the newsletter, obviously. You can buy it online on their website as well. They're really cheeky as well. You know how Vegemite's tagline is, put a rose in every cheek? Yeah. Their tagline is, spread on a smile every day. Oh, yeah, that is super cheeky. Um, what's the texture like, Hole? Because sometimes I find that Vegemite imitations are very kind of grainy or something. No, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's pretty good. I just put it on my finger. Oh, it's so yum. Yum. It's it's clearly not Vegemite, but it's very close to Vegemite. Mm. So I definitely highly, Great highly recommend Thanks. Thank you very much. It's so funny. I'm I'm under instruction from my naturopath at the moment just because I'm doing some gut work as well, not to be eating any kind of grains or anything, which is fine. I find that really easy. But I love spreads. So I love like peanut butter and I love Vegemite and I love butter. And I'm like, what am I meant to put it on? What am I going to oh. do about it? Is I just like eat shit a grain? With... Yeah, buckwheat's a grain. So what I could oh. do is get like a paleo bread, but I'm also highly sensitive to almonds. And, you know, they put like heaps of almond meal in that sort of stuff. So it's Heavily just like, ice. mate, you're just going to have to eat Vegemite off a spoon if you want to eat it. I mean, you could do it with this one. It's not as like, you know how... Vegemite is almost spicy. You couldn't like scoop a spoon in your mouth. Yeah. You could probably do that with every oh. mite. It's a little sweeter. Do you reckon I could like spread it on some cucumber or like yes. a carrot or something? Absolutely. You could use it as a dip in that way. Fal shell. shell. What are you teaching us today, Jo? Well, I'm actually going to teach you, and uh, and it's a big topic, so we're just going to kind of graze over it. Um, but I'm going to teach you about tarot because I think um, a lot of people don't really understand tarot decks and they just kind of lump them in the same category as oracle decks. And it's it's actually very different and it's steeped yes. in a lot of history um, and there's a lot to know about it. So um, I thought we could kind of just like do a bit of an overview of tarot um, and significant things. And then um, you can ask me some questions. What do you think? I love this. I'm so intrigued. And I just want you to start because I have all the questions that you'll probably answer. <laughs> okay. So um, I have a deck of tarot cards that has been passed down the female lineage in my family. So my great-grandmother passed them on to my grandmother and my grandmother passed them on to my mom. And then when I turned 30, my mom passed them on to me. So just in this... Some. 
Yeah, just in this deck alone, there's lots of history, right? Um, but the deck mm. itself, we don't really know the origins of tarot. Um, so I, I wish I had a definitive answer for you, but it was uh, in Europe. Um, it dates back to, on record, the 14th century. Whoa. Um, but it originally wasn't used as a form of divination. It was actually used as a game. Really? Yeah, so it was a game that they used to play similar to what we would play with a 52-card uh, deck of cards. Yeah. Um, and then in 1909, um, the famous Rider Waite deck, which is yes. the deck that I use, it's the deck that you'd be most familiar with the uh, pictures. So um, She-Bear, you all watch She-Bear Tarot, she uses Rider Waite. The publisher of the deck was called William Ryder, and he did it with this mystic at the time called A.E. Uh. Waite. They put together the deck in a form that made it this sort of like occult tarot deck so readers could use them in their mystical readings. And so he changed a few of the scenes. He had it, he added a few like different things to it and he created a book to right. be able to tell the different meanings of the cards. Um, and it kind of evolved over time, I guess. Um, but the main thing to know about tarot is that although the cards will tell you a story and you can look up the meanings, it's very much about using your own intuition. So a good tarot okay. reader will use their intuition when reading from a tarot deck. Okay, mm, so you see, and you can see that Shiva does that. She does. So she'll say to you, you know, this is the meaning of this card, um, it stands for, you know, this astrological sign, and we'll go into it a little bit more. But then she's also using her intuition and whatever's dropping in for her, which most psychics will do when they use a deck. If they're just reading the meaning of the card to you and not applying it to your life, then it's not a great reading. It's not going to give you no. anything, right? Okay. No, you could do it yourself. Yeah. So just to give you some basics around the deck, there's 78 cards in the deck. Um, mm -hmm. And each card has its own symbolism, its own imagery, and definitely its own story. You could mm -hmm. read the story of the deck. Like it's got a really? real kind of uh, linear pattern to it, the way that you read the deck. It's very, it's very fascinating. So it's split into two parts. You've got the 22 major arcana cards, and we'll talk about those in a minute. But they're pretty much like the big stuff that happens in life. The spiritual lessons, the karmic influences, like they're the, they're the big um, yeah, happenstance that will happen throughout your life. Then you have the 56 minor arcana cards and they reflect like little things, like the little trials and tribulations that you might experience on a daily basis. So they're not really mm. long-term predictions. Okay. Mm. Um, now, where tarot differs from, say, an oracle deck is that oracle cards are more about, like, affirmations, little reminders, mm. uh, little signs, little symbols, where this is actually giving you um, a story and a reading for either the present moment or the future. It can also tell totally. you a lot about what's happened as well, like, in the past. Okay, so I guess let's break it down into the two parts the majors and the minors great okay so the major arcana cards um they they're deep and they're complex they're the beautiful like picture cards they'll have a number system they go from zero which is the full the first card they move up to 22 um each card 
is very deep and very complex. They represent um, like the structure of our consciousness, I guess, and Mm. also the key life lessons yeah Mm. that have been passed down through the ages so remember these cards existed in the 14th century so this is how old these lessons are but they're still applicable today it's amazing yeah um when you pull major arcanas in a reading it's asking you to reflect on the big stuff on the life lessons on the themes that you're currently experiencing in your life it will also set the scene for the entire tarot reading so what will happen is if you do a spread and say you've got two major arcanas and then there's like all these minor arcanas happening around it, the main theme of the reading will be around those majors and how the minors relate because they're the smaller on a daily basis kind of cards. Does that make sense? Yeah. I literally want to go back to the spread that I pulled yesterday and reread it because there were like four major arcanas in the six yeah, cards I pulled. It was big. Yeah. And to, well, we won't read it for everyone. I was going to start yeah. reading it for you. Um, okay. So, the, so I, like I said, there's 22 cards in the major arcana deck. It starts with the full. And then the story of the major arcanas will actually follow the fool on his journey as he meets different teachers and experiences different lessons on the way. Wow, I love that so much. Yeah, so you start to see when you, if you were to um, lay out the 22 major arcanas, you can see this real beautiful story of this fool that knows nothing and is just like approaching life with reckless abandonment, which a lot of us should do at times like it's not a card saying that you're a fool it's saying hey how about have a fool's experience here like don't place all of this experience and expectation on a situation just see it with fresh eyes you know it's taking you from that right up until the final uh the final card in the deck Uh, i think it's the world yeah the world so you start with the fool and then you end with the world yeah it's um, he's conquered the world yeah that's it it's quite, it's quite That's incredible. Amazing. Yeah, it's quite incredible when you mm. go through it. Okay, so when you when you have a tarot reading or when you pull cards and it's predominantly major arcanas, you're experiencing life changing events that will have long term effects. So yours was very timely yesterday, right? right? Um, very timely. And pulling them out is saying there are important lessons that you must pay attention to in order to progress on the fool's journey. So the fool's journey can be looked at as your, you know, spiritual quest, your personal quest. Right. Yes. Cool. So they're the major arcana cards. So they're things like the tower, death, Death. the world, star, sun, moon, the devil, temperance, the The chariot, strength. Yeah. So what we'll do, um, I'll just describe the minor arcanas to you, but each major arcana represents a... um, astrological sign well what i should yeah. say is an astrological sign is represented by one of the arcanas so we'll go through that um but the minor arcanas so the minor arcanas are split into four suits we've got cups swords wands and pentacles each mm. suit represents an element and it's associated qualities and traits so very similar to the astrological signs each suit has an uh, an ace followed by a series of numbered cards from two to ten, and then a set of court cards. So you'll get a page, a knight, a queen, and a king. Now, I'm not going to go through the significance of all of those, but the kings across all suits 
hold a certain significance, as do the twos, the threes, the fours, the fives, the six. And again, they follow a story. So if you Mm. read the meaning from ace through to king, it would take you on a journey. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, So the court cards, let's talk about those. The court cards um, can be read a few different ways. They can represent people. They can Mm -hmm. represent personalities. They can also represent situations. They're not necessarily gender-specific. So Mm. if you were to pull out a queen of cups, Mm. it doesn't necessarily have to be about a female in your life. It could be about a man who is embodying the traits and the qualities that the queen of cups represents. Sure. Okay. Um, A lot of the time readers will associate, and this is where your intuition comes in and you can make what you want with the cards, you know, they might associate the queen of cups, say, with a blonde in your life. The queen of Mm. cups for them might be representative of a blonde or a fair haired woman. So they might say to you, there's a fair haired woman in your life who blah, blah, blah. And that for them is indicated when the queen of cups comes up. Because it's their own interpretation on their use of the cards. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, sometimes the court cards can indicate a level of maturity. So, for example, mm-hmm. if a page is coming out, it might re- be representing a teenager or a kid, um, whereas a king might represent, you know, an older man rather than okay. a knight that might be represented by, you know, a guy in his 20s a young man. or his 30s. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, let's break down the suits a little and I, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but just to give you an overall kind of vibe for them. So we'll start with the suit of cups. So the suit of cups deals with emotions. It's all about, you know, love, relationships, feelings, connections. Um, can you guess what the element of the cups is? It wouldn't be water, would it? It's absolutely water. Um, I love that. Often when you pull a cup card, it's indicative of thinking with your heart rather than your head. So it's very much Ah. feelings based. So the star signs related with water, obviously, are Scorpio, Cancer and Pisces. So sometimes when a cups card comes up, it could be an indication of um, one of those signs in your life. Mm. Or it Mm. could be about the the nature of that card in relation to emotions. I love that so much. Um, then we have the suit of swords. Uh, this is the tarot card deck. Uh, sorry, car- tarot card suit that deals with our mind, our mental level. Mm-hmm. It's very cerebral. Um, swords mirror your thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs. So thinking with your head rather than your heart. It's all about knowledge, action, power, change. It's very analytical suit. What element do you think that it might represent? That wouldn't be air, would it, Jod? It would absolutely be air. So it's representing the <laughs> astrological signs of Gemini, Aquarius, and Libra. Right. Yeah. Swords. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So if you're pulling um, a spread that's predominantly swords, it is saying to you, like, you're way up in your head and mm. you could probably do with bringing a little bit of cup element into your life, a little bit of water. Yeah, so that uh, you can drop from your head into your heart. Amazing. Yeah. Um, the suit of pentacles. This is the tarot card that deals with uh, the physical, mental, uh, sorry, not mental, physical, material, and external world. 
Um, it's often concerned with health, finances, and work. Pentacles mm. are associated with the ego, self-esteem, and self-image. Um, they're also very much about manifestation and prosperity. So, Ooh. yeah, and, like, for example, with me, because I do so much – well, and you as well, hold, but I read tarot – because I do so much work around manifestation, a lot of the time when I pull, say, the ace of pentacles, it's a real representation of me – of the work that I do because pentacles is a work card, but also I work with manifestation. So when I pull that card, that's the meaning it holds for me. It's got something to do with my manifestation mentoring or a program I'm running or the book or that's how I intuit it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So if you had to um, give an element to the suit of pentacles, what do you think it would be? This is actually really hard. I can see how it would work either way, but I'm going to go and say fire. Well, you'd be wrong. Oh, no, it's earth. Damn it. So it's it's physical uh, okay. and material. It's work. It's money. It's tangible yeah. earth stuff. Yeah, it's practical yeah, earth okay. stuff. Yeah. So in the astrological science, it's Taurus, Capricorn, and Virgo. Love it. Okay. The suit of wands. Um, these. Oh, of course. <laughs> these um, these suits are associated with spirituality, inspiration, intuition strength creativity ambition expansion um it's very symbolic of like passion energy enthusiasm sexuality Mm -hmm. so now i mean it's the only element left but you can see how this one is more associated with fire right makes so much more sense to me yeah Yeah. the word passion does it for me yeah it's very kind of um energetic charismatic warm and spiritual but if you had too many ones coming into your reading, you could see that perhaps it was getting a little bit out of control, like a wildfire. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally can relate. Yeah. yeah. So the signs obviously here are Leo, Sag and Aries. Amazing. Yeah. So within that, we also have the aces that I um, described before. They are the beginning of the of each suit. So you go ace and then you go two to ten and then you go... Um, the court cards. The aces are beautiful. I love when I pull aces. Um, aces represent the seed of your potential. So depending oh. on where what suit it falls into, the ace of cups, for example, is all about like new beginnings around love and connection, new friendships. Um, the ace of swords is all about new ideas, um, new kind of power and action that you can take suit of pentacles can mean new manifestations new money coming in new abundance um and the suit of wands can be you know new um spirituality new intuition new creative projects that sort of stuff i love it yeah it's um yeah super interesting so any questions for me well my main one is jord given that you know, there are going to be plenty of listeners and myself included who are now feeling called to go out and, you know, maybe get a deck of tarot and read for themselves. What would be your precursors and guidelines around this? Because I do want to like emphasize it's very different to Oracle. Yeah. I have been studying tarot now for five years and I don't think I'm even close to understanding all of it. Um, it takes a lot of work. It's not about memorizing meanings. It's about dropping into your intuition. You have to be super familiar with a deck. Um, it's a very per- it's a very personal thing. They're not a pretty set of cards. There's a lot of history steeped into it. There's centuries of history steeped yeah. into it. 
um, and it was used in the occult. So there's a lot of um, dark energy around tarot as well, as well as light energy. I think it's beautiful. I honestly do. I want to take you through the astrological um, meanings of the cards, which is a lot of what Shiva does. And she's so, um, she does it so beautifully and so effortlessly. But I think that she bear can do it because she is so incredibly intuitive. Um, mm-hmm. It's not her sitting down and reading a book about tarot. Um, no. This is the other thing with tarot, and this is why it's so important that you do use your intuition. Um, a lot of books that you'll pick up that tell you the meanings of cards, they all differ in their meanings, which can totally. make it really, really confusing. I've got this great book. Oh, I might have given it to... I did. Damn. Um, it's called The Creative Tarot. And it gives you, as a creative, so like as a writer or an artist, it gives you interpretations of the meaning based on creative projects. So that's that. really exciting. But those meanings are very different than if I was pulling a spread for you for, say, relationships or, you know, career or mm. whatever it might be. Yeah. Mm. Um, do you want to hear the astrological Yes, cards? please. Okay. So for people that aren't familiar with, the major arcana tarot deck you might not know what some of these cards are but just keep in mind whatever yours is and maybe look it up okay so we'll start at the beginning aries uh the major arcana that represents aries is the emperor love uh the major arcana card that represents taurus is the hierophant which Mm -hmm. is all about like religion and uh dogmatic kind of like structures and stuff like that Um, The card that represents Gemini is the lovers. Oh, I love. Uh, The card that represents Cancer is the chariot. Mm -hmm. Leo is represented. Do you know what the Leo card is? Yeah, strength. Strength. Beautiful. The strength card. And that's actually one of my favorite cards in the Major Arcana. Um, Virgo is represented by the hermit. I thought you were going to say the financial planner. (laughs) (laughs) By the financial planner. No, the hermit, which is kind of the same thing, right? It is. Um, <laughs> Libra is represented by justice, the balance, mm. the scales. Um, yeah, Scorpio, you guys. <laughs> Scorpio <laughs> is represented by death. I knew that that was coming. Hashtag dead. <laughs> Stop it. Hashtag double water. That's a personal joke. Um, <laughs> but not so personal. Um, Sagittarius is represented by temperance which can also Ooh. represent Libra. So, like, there's a lot of, like, double meanings here, right? I pulled temperance yesterday. Yeah, and you pulled justice as well. Um, Capricorn is represented by the devil. <laughs> Fitting. <laughs> Aquarius is represented by the star. Mm. Pisces is represented <laughs> by the moon. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Little intuitive Pisceans. Yeah. You just have all the feelings, don't you? Yes, you do. <laughs> but the moon is, is very much about the shadow side. Um, and it's really interesting because whenever I pull the moon card, I don't have that amen- that meaning attached to it at all. So when I pull the moon card, it's always about the work I do with the lunar cycles and, you know, my lunar lover membership or lunar nights or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, you attach totally. your own meaning to certain cards. The other thing I wanted to say, because it came up in the reading you did yesterday, Holt, well, the spread that you did yesterday, um, is reverse tarot. So a lot of people yeah. will read a reverse card. So Shebear will read a card when it comes up upside down. I personally don't read reverse, and it's it's just um, a preference for, for the reader. You either decide yeah. to do it or you don't. I think I originally decided not to do it because I would 
I kind of needed to have double the amount of meaning for each card because it's not just it's not just the opposite of the positive you know upright aspect of it um but also I just like when I do a reading I really much I really much I very much like to see the light and the positivity in the spread rather than looking at the shadow work and this is what will come up when you go and see a tarot reader and this is why it's very very important that you have a good recommendation for a tarot reader because I've been to see tarot readers before where it's very dark and I leave feeling very heavy. There is a lot of shadow within the deck. So it's just something to be conscious of. This is why I rarely pull tarot. I've got two decks. I used one of the lighter decks. It had a lighter kind of oracle-ish energy and I was pulling that every day for a little while, maybe last year, and it just felt way too much and so I like hid my tarot. And yesterday is the first time I pulled my deck out. I think it's a new deck. Well, it's not a new deck, but I haven't used it before. I think in about 18 months, George, and that's enough for me. So, uh, yeah, emphasis on the fact that it's not Oracle. It's, I mean, ideally you're not pulling tarot every single day unless you're really schooling yourself on it. Yeah, I just, Holly, I just want to interject here because I've noticed this come up quite a bit with you. I feel like you have a real something with the tarot and I don't know what it is. You have a I'm nervous real... about tarot. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm not at all. I love it. I think it's great. I think there's something there for you, some mm-hmm. sort of something that's triggered you around tarot. So <laughs> don't scare all is. the people, but I'm there's sorry. something there's something there. So it's not something to be feared. Um, it's just it's just something to be conscious of. It's not like pulling an oracle card. There there is a lot to learn. Um, there's a lot to tune yes. into. There's there's beautiful tarot courses. I'll I'll put it in the newsletter this week. But Biddy Tarot, she's an amazing woman. I did a podcast episode with her a couple of years ago. If you look through old Luna Lover stuff. She's amazing. She has a really intuitive way of teaching tarot, which is basically getting you to tune into your own intuition. She I love has that. really beautiful explanations of everything. Her website is incredible. She runs a lot of courses. There's a lot of videos. She's got her own podcast. It's wonderful. So if you're interested and you want to learn more, definitely do that. There's one more thing I want to say about tarot. There's a lot of different tarot decks out there. Now, knowing what I've said to you about the story and the symbolism and how when you look at a card, just by looking at different aspects in it, you can start to make different assumptions about what it might mean. Um, They're very detailed. The Mm. Rider Waite ones are perfect for that because he has created a story within the visual aspect of the card. Now, there's some beautiful tarot decks out there like the Wild Unknown Tarot. Yes. They're amazing. But as someone who can read tarot, I can't use them because there's nothing in the picture to tell you the meaning of the card. So when I look at it and I see a beautiful swan with like, swords and peacock feathers or whatever's going on in the background it's not telling me anything yes. so there's nothing for me to intuitively drop into yeah so with those sorts of decks it's almost like they do become an oracle where you pull and you read the meaning in the book so true i actually I mean? you reminded me of a deck that i had it was the animal tarot deck i gifted it to a client i think because i was like this isn't doing it for me anymore and every of the cards was an animal and so i'd just be reading what that animal meant it was basically like a spirit guide deck not tarot there is something for me to unpick with this tarot thing though there's a there is a resistance there yeah. I, I think it is a fear of the shadow yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering what triggered it for you, though. Had, does maybe someone I used say to be to you, a tarot reader in a past life. Maybe, I mean, maybe. Do you want me to test it? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, hang on. Oh, well, let's do this off the call. Should we, or do you want to do it live? <laughs> let's do it on the call, guys. We're gonna we're gonna just muscle test now if I've been a tarot reader in a past life. Well, and I that's just want to check my if it is it a past life thing. No, it's not. Is it? What's it hooked into? Is it hooked into a chakra? No. Is it hooked yes. into an, oh. an emotion? Yeah, it's hooked into an emotion. Um, all right, hang on a sec. <laughs> I'm going to put my money on fear or dread. I, well, can I you reckon not do that? Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how this works, Holly, because then that's what you're vibrating on. That's what I pick up on. So just okay, sorry. get rid of just that. Just clear that. Whew. Happiness and joy. <laughs> okay. Hmm. It's hooked into what? superstition. Is it? Yeah. Let me see if there's a if there's a loop. Is it looped? Yeah, it's looped. Um, okay. So you you think you get superstitious about it, and that yes. loops you into. Self worth. Okay. Is it because you don't know how to read tarot? Yeah. Yeah. Bang on. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. So I should know how to read it. <laughs> yeah, and because I don't. It's shit. I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't even believe it's good. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's clear, <laughs> let's clear the superstition. Actually, let's, let's clear the self-worth first. So large intestine, okay. so thumb points. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's so funny. The listeners are getting more than they bargained for with <laughs> this one, aren't they? more than they bargained for. <laughs> Guys, live fucking clearing. <clears throat> <clears throat> I'm so excited about this. Okay. Okay. Clearing okay. doesn't make good podcasting, but that's okay. Um, okay. So now we need to clear the superstition in your kidney. So collarbones. Mm-hmm. Rubbing those points. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Whoa. My arms just went all fully tingly. Mm. Ooh. <sighs> Okay, so that's clear. Is that loop cleared yet? Is there any other emotion here? No. Okay, I think you're good. Thanks. Thanks. I feel that's so fascinating. It's just because I can't read it. No, here's the thing with tarot. Like, enjoy SheBear's readings. Enjoy them. They're they're beautiful. They're amazing. If you want to go and see a tarot reader, go and see a tarot reader. Um, But you don't need to have a deck. I'll tell you a really beautiful story, though. My, um, one of my ex- boyfriends the most recent one he was so fascinated by tarot like every time he came over to my house he just wanted to play with my tarot deck and I don't usually let people play with my tarot deck but I felt really comfortable with him using it and he would he would say to me oh can I do a reading for you and I'd be like yeah all right but how are you gonna know what they mean anyway he he would and he would read the cards and he'd look at the he'd look at the pictures and he'd just know and he was so intuitive with them. And I said, you got to go and buy yourself a, your own deck. So he went. That was his tool. Yeah, he went and he bought his own tarot deck and he does tarot now at home. And it's just been an intuitive thing for him. Like he, he, he reads, I think that's where my creative tarot book went. He reads the book, but he, um, he also just, he just knows the answers. It's, it's quite this incredible. This is it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like a natural inclination towards some things and it's, I love that you've expressed it as a tool to 
tap in more to your intuition because I would have never said that about tarot. Yeah, and I guess the other really important thing to think about, and we spoke about this with the psychic readings, Holly, is like don't go in there as skeptic. Like if you're going in there and you think, how's this person going to read me with this tarot deck and how how could the cards I pull after splitting the deck three times and then one more time like how are these particular cards going to tell me anything if that's the attitude you're going in with then don't fucking do it it's a waste of money it's a waste of time it's a waste of energy for both parties yeah yeah and with that oh that's been so helpful thank you Jordan thanks for the live clearing really appreciate it (laughs) that's okay that was really fun we could that that was fun We should do that once an episode. <laughs> God, could you imagine? New segment. Stuff that what do we got to clear today, guys? <laughs> You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. Join our Facebook group, just search The Middle Podcast Show and follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 